0: And I just, I think it's a singles market these days. If you're releasing a track every month or two tracks every month, you're still giving people new albums worth of material every year anyway.
1: Hello and welcome to the EDM Podcast, a show where I interview successful producers, engineers, and people in the industry. My name is Sam Matler, I'm your host, and today's episode is with Sean Tyus. He's a multi-genre producer, though he's best known for his harder style of trance. He's from the US and is now based in Switzerland and has been for quite a while. We cover a lot of stuff in this interview, and I'm not going to list it all out here, but some of the things we talk about uh, include Sean's latest release, Swimming in Acid, Uh, pretty cool name and the production process behind it his advice for those working on an album uh, drum and bass production and why it's so difficult the importance of sound design and how to learn it and also synthesizing kicks if you enjoy this interview or or even if you don't enjoy the interview make sure to check out sean's latest release uh, as well as his multi-genre album called degeneration i also recommend watching his interview with chris at sonic academy Uh, I am being fully transparent when I say I watched that while I was doing my research for this episode. That's all for now. Please welcome Sean Tyres. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who have been producing for under 12 months or even those who have just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course, many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast today. I'm with Sean Tyus. Sean, how's it going?
0: Very good, Sam. How about you?
1: I'm doing well, mate. How's Switzerland? How's the weather?
0: It's just starting to get cold. This was the first morning that we've, uh, we've woken up with frost on all the cars. So I'm a winter person, so I'm really hoping that we get our first snowfall. A lot of people would kill me for saying that, <laughs> but uh, I like the winter. I like the cold. Yeah,
1: I can imagine it looks uh, quite beautiful in Switzerland in the winter.
0: Yeah, with the with the white and all every like yeah, oh, it's man. definitely very um, it's very you know very much that you know that that calendar style photo kind of look to it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I went there. I um, went to the airport, but I was flying out over the Alps, and it just looked amazing. Uh, phenomenal.
0: Oh, yeah, you'll get the good view from flying out, that's for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway, I want to go all the way back to the start. Uh, how did you initially get into music? Tell us a bit about your background.
0: Uh, my background is kind of weird. It's got nothing to do with music, but it's still kind of on, on the artistic side. I went to school for for drawing, for illustration, actually. I wanted to either work for Disney or work for a Japanese animation company. And that was kind of the long-term goal from basically since I was uh, in kindergarten and mm-hmm. That was kind of always the plan. And then as I was in art school, I just kind of started going to clubs and, you know, to cut, going down that kind of traditional route of falling in love with the club scene and wanting something more from it. And um, I didn't necessarily have so much interest in DJing. I wanted to learn how to make the music because I had other friends that were DJing. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, they can have that. I want to make the music that they play. And, um, yeah, kind of did the research and started uh, experimenting with the things called trackers, and they weren't even sequencers back then. Well, there were sequencers back then, too, but they were called trackers. You make music really geeky, way, in a really yeah, geeky yeah. way. But um, I got into that and started tracking up like uh, very, very rudimentary hardcore and gabber, and, and probably happy hardcore, I guess, too. <laughs> Uh, if you'd even want to call it, it was, it was fucking horrible music back like then, actually, <laughs> but, that I was making. Um, but, you know, it kind of evolved into, you know, me having more kind of concentrated taste in different areas. So it kind of led me to where I am today.
1: And was there a moment where you you kind of thought, this is something I could do full time. This is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. Was there a single it was all- moment or was it kind of like a a development
0: it was it was always kind of a battle. I mean, you know, when you're in your early twenties, late teens, and like, you know, or probably really early twenties, trying to convince your parents that this is going to be a solid route for you. And then, um, and then, I think th- it was an offer that came when I was still living in New York. And then there, uh, there was a one morning where I had woken up, and there was a guy from Germany that had emailed me, and he's like, and it was it was kind of a well known producer and or well known name in the hard trance scene. Mm. This guy Beam at the time anyway. And he's like, you want to come work for me in my studio in Germany? And I I was just like, at the time, I didn't even have a passport. So I was like, (laughs) this is it. Like, this is like the opportunity to go, you know, even if nothing comes from this is an opportunity of a lifetime to go work and stand shoulder to shoulder with the people that I'm looking up to and see how I do. And that's just kind of where it was, uh, yeah, just sink or float kind of approach.
1: I see. Did you move to, to Switzerland
0: following that? Yes. Uh, Within 10 months after that, um, well, during those 10 months working there, I had come into contact with a couple of other people that, um, you know, were doing similar things, doing, you know, a lot of production jobs for clients and stuff like that. And I I just had a a more kind of like minded opportunity and, and to work with more like minded people in switzerland so and coincidentally i had also met my future wife who was swiss while she was on a visit to germany in that town hmm. and um you know the two kind of the moons aligned and um it was kind of working ended up working for a swiss studio and moving in with my swiss girlfriend so it kind of worked out really conveniently oh, that's amazing uh
1: <laughs> were there any because a lot of people a lot of artists would talk about this and, and how they got to where they are um but were there any moments where you you kind of doubted whether it would work out like any any struggles
0: i did, i think i think any artist would be lying if they told you they didn't still have those doubts the music mm-hmm. industry is among the most volatile industries i've ever seen um, you know there are so many moments i think I've, i feel these moments even every week where i say you know i say to myself i fuck i should have just gotten into accounting or <laughs> I should have gotten into i should have been a lawyer i should have been something you know where there's a constant need and a stability that's you know and a guarantee mm. of you know your life and your life you know struggle, but I do I know I, your life progress. I, but I do enjoy this rat race. It's it's really fun. It keeps you on your toes every day. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so so your latest release, swimming an acid. Uh, okay. you you talked a little bit about it on Facebook about how you're spending a lot of time on sound design and you wanted to, to combine genres, but tell us a bit more about that track and, and how it came to be.
0: The, oh, that track has been through a couple different versions until, you know, it, it started out as more of a trance tune and, and, it, and it, there were just certain elements that weren't gelling with it sounding more like a trance tune. So then I kind of like started chiseling away and yep deleting just the trance elements and then going back in with a, a, a lot more... Um, drilling techno elements and then swapped it all out. Well, I kept the techno elements in and then put in a more of like a side, a sidekick and baseline. And I was like, Oh, this is really, this is totally fitting. Um, the sidekick and the bass, we're working with the more trancy drums, the trancy, you know, uh, high hats and claps and stuff like that. And And of course, the the more uplifting kind of trans breakdown, which is completely tossed out the window when it drops in with the acid line. Mm. And I mean, I think acid lines are pretty my definitely one of my favorite three elements of dance music. And I, I, I always just try to incorporate that element into whatever style I'm doing, whether it's techno, trance, side trance, or, uh, even drum and bass, which, uh, I'm working on a drum and bass track with an acid line. And that's not something you hear in a lot of drum and bass anyway, these days, oh, there was any single out a few years ago, which was really cool with it. But I mean, I haven't heard too many drum and bass tunes with the three hundred three since.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to talk about drum and bass, but before I do that, uh that the swimming and acid track it has like most of your music an amazing kick and bassline combination and a lot of producers struggle with this i think it's one of the most common other than how do i get my music heard it seems to be one of the most common struggles uh so it's what tips would you give to producers who do struggle with that
0: Well, the reason that it's the most, it probably is the most asked question. Nobody's asking how to mix in a hi-hat or how do I get my clap a little bit sharper. Maybe some people do, but you're comparing 1% to 99%. The reason that it is is because dance music is based on the bass foundation, like how hard you're able to shake those speakers. And I mean, even a mediocre track with a good bass and kick foundation is going to stand out from the rest. Um, just because it's able to, you know, get things shaking and moving you. I think the really important thing is, um, and I've only started to do it in the last few years, is to tune my kick to the to the bassline, or tune your line to the kick. Um, you know, there is always one or two notes of your line that's going to sound awesome with one particular kick. Um, I also love the kick um, synths, like the Sonic Academy Kick One and Two. Um, they did a great job on that, and also. Um, Basism is another kick synth that's just absolutely awesome. There's another one called um, Big Kick. Um, I don't remember the name of the company that makes it. I, I don't use that yeah, one. Yeah, I've got that one, yeah. Uh, it's also supposedly really, really feature heavy. And But they all do. You know, it, it's so funny because each one of them have, like, drawbacks and and pros. And like, I'm just wish you could add the best features of each of those three together and you'd have the perfect kick synth.
1: So what would some of the – because I own, I own Kick 2 and uh, Big Kick – yeah, um, they're certainly drawbacks, but I'm curious to hear what what you think they are.
0: Well the thing is with, with bassism, it seems like the way they have the envelope set is like perfect for a kick. And like to make side trans side trans kicks with bassism is I think it's like it's like almost like what that plug-in was literally made for. It's got an excellent noise generator that's made for it with a built in filter that's just on the noise generator, so you can set it up so it's on high pass mode. So you set it up high pass with really high resonance and it's just literally you make a closed hi hat on the attack of the of the kick very mm. simply. Uh, on Kick 2, it's not a noise generator, it's a sample, you, you load in samples, and um, you have a little bit less control because you don't, uh, let me just load that up, I don't know if it's a, I haven't used Kick 2 in a while, and it pissed me off last time because I couldn't get the same kind of feel, and I'm, I'm sure you can, but you know, it's with Kick 2 you have this visual representation of the pitch, mm. and... And I love that. And I, that's a big... And I do also... And what I, another thing I love about Kick 2 is the fact that you can render it in the plugin so you see the waveform and then you can drag that waveform into your project. Can you? So, oh, so, wow. Yeah. I learned On the bottom middle of it, you can click render and then you see the wave of it and then you literally can just drag that from the plugin onto the audio track so you don't have to do any bounce oh, in shit. place or any, awesome. any uh, freezing. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah, that's the thing. So, okay, so if you put... So yeah, so the noise generator on the Kick Two is just based and this is this is where you get like your toppers and it's of course you could do three different layers of clicks, which is great for really textured you know, for example if you want to do a drum and bass kind of more acoustic style kick drum, that's where you're gonna get your texture and that's what you want. Um, but there was just there's something about it that, that sounds a little funny to me. Mm. And what I but what I what that one is missing, and what bassism bassism is mixing, missing, is delay knob. What I would like to do is delay the the bass part of the kick to the noise. Um, so would you notice a lot of times kicks will almost have this like kind of like if you would take a credit card and put mm. hold half of it down with your hand and then snap it. Um, the, kind of the coolest kicks I've ever heard are the ones that have this more snapping effect. And if you look, if you zoom into the to the waveform and you look at these people, how they how they achieve it, I, I'm 99 percent sure what happens is because the, there's a closed hat that's layered in. It's not part of the kick drum, so they have it on a separate channel, and they'll delay the actual kick maybe two milliseconds. So the so the, the little high frequency is happening first, and then boom, right after. It's like only two milliseconds, and it's so subtle, but it's a different sound than if you didn't delay that kick, um, the two milliseconds of time. And just try it; like it's crazy. Like do you use what do you use Ableton?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you would turn the delay. You you would, it's it's normally off by default on your arrange view. It's that little D on the bottom right of your sequencer. Mm-hmm. It's next to the I.O., and then the returns, and then the mute. You know, you could turn those buttons on and off. The next one down is called, it's a little D with a circle around it. It's so small on my screen because I have, like, the resolution kind of maxed out. (laughs) But, and then it puts all the, it adds a delay um, setting next to the right of all your channels, and and every sequencer has this. And in Logic, you can delay a channel by the inspector on the left. I'm sure Cubase is the exact same. I'm sure Fruity Loops has this. Um, Ableton has it on the right because, of course, all your channel settings are on the right. Um, but you can delay it by any amount of milliseconds, or you can click it, uh, click the millisecond button, and change it to samples, whatever you want to do. And that gives that this slap and like kind of like a yeah, a really different feel.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I've done that well, before something so simple, but
1: Yeah, yeah. I've done that before with uh with like a, a very short white noise sample. Yes. Uh, and okay. You can put it just before the kick and it I don't know what it does, it must be some sort of uh psychoacoustical illusion because it it, it kind of gives the kick yeah. more punch. Yeah,
0: yeah. Totally, totally. And I think um, it's a it's a really cool technique. Another thing that you can use it to do is um, if you're sidechaining other stuff, you, instead of sidechaining it to that kick, you sidechain it to that white noise. Mm-hmm. And basically what it does, is it ducks all your stuff out of the way just before that kick hits. So you really hear the sharp attack of the kick when, when the kick hits.
1: I see. Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: So So closed hat functions as, you know, it gets the stuff out of the way that two milliseconds before that kick hits and that extra space will create that extra attack for the speaker of the club to really, really clamp down on. Mm -hmm.
1: Gotcha. Uh, So, so I've seen you talk about drum and bass production uh, quite a lot in your Sonic Academy interview, which was great, by the way, Uh, props to Chris for that. And I saw a comment in the, I think it was a Freshy Squeeze Samples Facebook group a while back and you say that drum and bass production is is a whole different beast, and I agree with that, uh, and that it's much more difficult.
0: Why? Why is that? Because it's because it's a whole new level of bass design. I mean, it's not just your simple virtual analog approach of, okay, we have two sawtooths, we're going to detune them a little bit, you're going to run them through a filter envelope, put the cutoff down, put the envelope up a little bit, you know, zero sustain, minimum, like, you know, 25% decay, and there you go, there's your bass, and and you just run it along a 16th note ARP, and sidechain it, and there's your mid-bass. You know, in drum and bass, it's all about putting all of your power into every single bass that's going to be, Mm -hmm. So basically, it's your only base at any given time. Now, of course, most current German base, they'll, you know, Cut in and out with about five or six different bass lines for transitions and stuff like that. But you'll have your main one, and there's so much work put into these basses. you'll have, you know, the guys that are using FM8 on a regular basis know it in and out. So like the guys like Methus or um, you know Methus would be like the more neuro and very much more technical side, and then you have a little bit more to the more commercial. I wouldn't say they're commercial, but more um, radio friendly guys like the prototypes or um, uh, Matrix and Future Bound. and you know, they all get these amazing tech or Camo and Crooked, another good example. They get these amazing sets of textures out of things like Massive and FM8. And these sets are just made for just awesome texture. And you can't get these textures with things like Silent or Spire. You just can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some people say too that because drum and bass is so fast, it's very hard to mix. Like you don't have that much time between the kick and the snare. Unlike yeah, that's right. Trance or, or Progressive house.
0: Sorry, what was that? To mix down or to mix as to a mi- DJ. To mix
1: down, to mix down, and maybe to DJ as
0: well. I'm not sure. Probably to DJ too. Actually, come to think of it, <laughs> but um, like I guess to mix down, it's it's all what you make of it. Like I mean, the, the perception. You could look at it as 172, or you could look at it as 86. You know, mm. it's. Um, just keep your. I mean, the kicks are really short in drum and bass. They're not long like they are in trance. Um, mm. And but the snare. I mean, I feel the kick is actually not as important as the snare drum is in drum and bass, where it would be the other way around in trance, house, and progressive and side trance and all that.
1: Yeah, for sure, because you want that uh, that like two hundred hertz, nice. Oh, yeah, hit to the snare. Yep. Um, have yeah, you exactly. seen? Have you seen the? You've probably seen it. The noisier in the studio the latest one with future music
0: yeah i think i have yep i've seen bits and pieces of it I, where one part of it where the guy's doing the crazy shit with the modular yeah 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 nice yes Thought you'd like yep, that. Yep.
1: um so a, a track like contrast then which is on your your latest album well only album actually uh i want to yep. talk about that a track like sure. contrast how many bass layers would that have because it sounds like there's Damn. quite a few a
0: Well, you know that because the the first drop is in you know normal time with sixteenth, sixteenth, and eighth notes, and then the second drop is in triplets, and that's kind of weird doing a triplet drop. I think it was 174, so it was like Mm -hmm. the first time I'd done a triplet drop at 174. But it was just it was just fun. Like it just kind of come up as many bass textures as possible, Um, and I had I would have like a little too many layers. So basically, you just kind of carve away until stuff is coming through better, because it would be just a big mess of noise. So you just chip away at it until you start hearing the single bass tones, the single bass textures, which you wouldn't really call a tone anymore because it's just such a distortion. <laughs> and, I mean, most of the character comes from different distortions, like homicide or trash too. Mm. And um, it's just, I mean, these things are, they become beasts, and they, you only need one at a time. So it's a matter of just choosing which ones go with which sections of the beat better i guess
1: is there anything you've learned from from making drum and bass any technique in particular
0: um it's more about really using your filters better i mean mm-hmm. uh, it's opened me up to a lot more creative use of um you know band pass filtering uh a band uh, reject filtering uh, double notching uh, you know like the way the massive does it um And even, you know, more than one notch and more than double notch filtering, which you would do uh, normally with, like, say, for example, Ableton Live, where you would just load up an EQ and uh, set the middle four bands to all band rejects. And then you just move around and you get this sick movement in an otherwise kind of mundane sound. And um, and then you throw that through distortion and then repeat. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, you could do an Ableton Live really, really easy as band splits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you go and distort, say the high mids, and you put a chorus on the, lo- no, you probably wouldn't put a chorus on the low mid, put a chorus on the highs, and uh, put a phaser on the high mids with that distortion, and then you know, put an o- overdrive on the low mid, and then recombines after that, put a saturator on that, and you have this like just stupid beast that you know um, would be otherwise very difficult to do in another sequencer.
1: Yeah, I love doing that stuff, and it's so easy in Ableton with the uh, the <laughs> I mean, it's
0: just With made for sound design you know exactly exactly and people don't listen to me people are so turned off by the oh, ugly you know what if it's ugly and if that's what's holding you back from ableton that's fine i'm happy to be just have at this myself
1: <laughs> you say uh you say you could spend weeks in the studio just on sound design
0: i wish i could i wish i could <laughs> I I would actually never make a track if I could just make sounds all day and I just don't Mm -hmm. think probably wouldn't be able to pay the bills with just sound design so but like I try to balance it out um, because the sound design definitely does fuel you know the track making too like you know if you sit there and make patches all day and you're going to end up with this patch that's going to ignites the inspiration to make a whole track out of it and and that's you know that's definitely the basis behind the the acid line uh of swimming in acid where i ended up with that acid like i gotta make a track out of just this acid and that's it and name it after that
1: mm, gotcha um, <laughs> so in degeneration, you made you know a ton of different genres there's there's drum and bass there's breaks there's techno um heaps of stuff but mm-hmm. what does your if you have one, what does your research process look like when you're tackling a new genre? Do you have some sort of system or do you just listen to a lot of music uh, in that style?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, for the drum and bass, I had plenty of, like, I've been getting more and more and more, like, addicted to drum and bass over the last two years, maybe even longer. Um, you know, I'd go for long runs outside, just put a two hour mix on, and obviously I wouldn't run for two hours, but, like, you know, just leave it off right where I left off, next day I'd go for another run, pick up where I left off, and just try, I mean, when you're when you're out running, it's, you know, I could, essentially, all my eyes are open just to make sure I don't run into a wall, but, <laughs> like, mind is completely focused on the music, and I can hear, or I'm trying to hear every detail, and, um, you know, just try to retain as many details as possible by the time I get back. And and go try to implement some of it, whether it's into trance or into drum and bass. And then, like if, if I if I hear an amazing track in the mix, I'll go like, okay, I'll, I'll make a mental note. Um, you know, the, the Siri on the on the iPhone is pretty useful because even if the mix is playing, you hold down the button, you say, okay, go back to twenty two thirty in the mix, mm-hmm. and I want to find out what this track is, and I want to find out how they do this. You know, whether it's a certain snare technique or if it's a certain way the bass is filtered, I want to know how it's done or if if i can emulate it or get close um you know you got to walk before you can run in any genre and um that was kind of what the album was about just for learning how to walk in certain in sound certain sounds i think
1: so what made you to uh what made you decide to to make the album
0: i think it's a rite of passage for everybody and everybody's (laughs) got to do one you know i think it's it's I think it was my. It might be my last one too, just yeah. because it just it just puts such a hole in your release schedule, and it's it, it's it's like you know, um, there were no releases for two months after to give it room to breathe, and I, I just I think it's a singles market these days. I don't mm-hmm. think and people do like the album, but I mean, if you're releasing every month, you're effective If you're releasing a track every month or two tracks every month, you're still giving people new albums worth of material every year anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And they get to, and they get to get them like when they're hot out of the studio, as opposed to okay, you get this album, but half those tracks have been done over six months ago. Thanks. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I imagine it's it's quite overwhelming working on an album.
0: It's it's more frustrating because you know when when you're done with the last one, the first one that you had done, you're like, okay, I'm already past that. Let me go open that project up and try to bring this up to speed. And it's just going to be a never-ending process. And you just have to know when to pull the plug and say, okay, it's time to release it.
1: Mm. So did you do that? Did you set a deadline? for yourself and just say it's, yeah, it's going to be
0: management, done management and the label set the deadline for the stuff because it was a good thing that did set the deadline because i would i would have just kept on going yeah, yeah 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 but i was really happy at the point that every track was at uh, you know what uh, if, if even if i'm totally honest with myself i was thrilled about the production point that every track in the whole process was. And, you know, the fact that I did the album, released the CD version of the album, at least, um, as a continuously mixed version, that's um, exactly, you know, the, the the mission statement that I had start out, started out with in the beginning. My favorite albums from all dance music are the mixed ones because they take you on a little bit of a trip. And, you know, they have those funny, quirky transitions. And and uh, I wanted that. I didn't just want singles because you can yeah. get singles at-
1: yeah exactly I think that's what's what's special about an album I mean I remember one of my favourite it's an EP actually it's it's five tracks it's by Cone Sound and uh, Acer of course yeah Sanctuary EP and I, I downloaded that and it's seamless so I listened to it I just lay down in bed it was 10pm at night and I listened to it from start to finish and it was incredible
0: and yeah. I was like well, this is art of the, you know the bass side of the business yeah
1: yeah yeah it's so cool uh, what advice would you give to a producer who who does want to make an album? Uh, and well, it's not that they don't know where to start, but what advice would you give, having done it?
0: Be um, as experimental. This is this is it's the album is really the one time where you're probably given carte blanche as an artist, what you're allowed to do and what you're forgiven to do, for to do. Mm. Um, so. I guess the best thing is to not feel any borders and not feel limited to doing anything. I mean, if you're a trans artist, don't be afraid of what the trans fans tell you. You have to make trans. You know, you can put a house track on, you can put a techno track, you put drum and bass. You can even put a dubstep track woo, <laughs> on your um, uh, on your album. But don't put a trap track, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, overall... Yeah, I just don't feel any limits. Um, mm-hmm. That's really the most important thing, and do not let people tell you what to do. The album is yours.
1: <laughs> I like that. Did you get any backlash for for putting drum and bass or technology? None.
0: No, you know, I, maybe I just didn't see any backlash for it, but I, mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed by the positivity and the support that came from the experimentation on the album. That was so cool.
1: Amazing. Perhaps the uh, the trance community
0: is slowly changing. I think they're coming around. It, it's it's a new breed. It's it's definitely a new breed. Um, seeing a lot of newer faces out in the clubs, younger faces, and um, you know the, I think the positivity is um, definitely more contagious with this with this new batch of uh, batch of people coming in.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so we've talked a bit about sound design, but how important do you think it is? Because, I mean, you and I both know that there there are a ton of presets out there. Uh, you and Darren Porter have made a bank. Uh, well, yeah, maybe, we're maybe multiple deal banks.
0: Deal <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like we 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 preach about this, and 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 yet we're contributing to it. But I have to say, it it, it pays very well to yeah. do the, the design as well. It's like so, um, it pays pretty good. It's, not, it's, it's a great side income. But you know, I, I the other reason I do these banks because they're also it's almost like a, if the people really want to learn they can mm. buy these good bad these banks it's basically it's an instruction manual yes. on a patch by patch basis and if people want to reverse engineer a sound just look at the patch and see oh that's doing that that's how that's done shit i didn't even know that um, and it really will walk people through on how to achieve the sounds they want to do and it's right there that's why i always say i'm like we should sell for higher prices because this is like a tutorial <laughs> for 128 sounds
1: yeah for sure and- i mean that's how i learned sound design i would take a screenshot of a preset yep. put it on another screen and just Definitely. do it you know again recreate it
0: yep yep and you said how important is it i think it's i think these days it's the you know it's just as important as say seven eight years ago when people asked how is important how important is it to produce when you're a dj now now mm. that everybody's a producer too um i think it's just as important to be a sound designer as the next step
1: yeah yeah that's interesting um Cool. Do you do you mix down as you go, uh, or at the end, or, or do you do both?
0: Um, not only do I this is probably a no no with the old school mastering guys, but not <laughs> only do I mix down as I go, I also master as I go. I, wow. I I put all. I mean, I only I only slam into a limiter on the master chain. That's basically all I do on the master. Maybe a slight linear phase EQ before that, just to cut off the extreme lows and maybe dip out. Uh, if the 200 Hertz area is a little too boxy um, then I'll dip that out a bit but and then I'll slam into the um, like a really any good limiter either the the uh, uh, the Fab Filter Pro um, l or the uh, AOM Invisible Limiter, and uh, I love those two. And it, it's funny; they, certain one, one of those two will sound better on certain tracks than other ones. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it's 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 that's it. And everything is done in buses, in in, in as Ableton likes to call them, uh, in groups, and be um, usually grouped up in like six groups, like yeah, kick, kick, sub. Uh, all other bass elements, synth elements, effects and fills, and vocals, usually. I think that's it. And and yeah, sometimes I'll separate uh, assets as their own group as well.
1: Right, yeah. I wish Ableton had the ability Group within to- a group? Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. And Bitwig got that feature before, and Bitwig took the feature and made me think about going to Bitwig. Yeah. But... Uh, you know what though it's not the end of the world you could still you still can kind of do it by because you know an, like an audio channel in in ableton is basically this very very free form thing so you can route all audio to all audio from you know several channels to one audio channel yeah. and there's your group within the group yeah
1: that's that's what i tend to do I'm i'm more grouping like uh Game, main um, instruments, game instruments right. together like for instance if there's a, uh several plucks and pads i won't group all those together i'll just group the pads and the plucks and then send them to a bus channel Set. called yep. synths.
0: yep yep yep. so you that get control too. at
1: multiple levels
0: well that's what the best part about ableton is it's so flexible like yeah. you know if you want to do it like that if you want to do it with groups though they would save this whole problem if they would just let, allow groups within groups
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i know uh well hopefully we'll see that in in uh version 10
0: hopefully yeah whenever that's coming what is nine three years old now must be it must be yeah it's time time is ticking we were <laughs> making fun of Lottie for not having an update for three years now it's time ableton it needs to step up
1: yeah man i reckon um you've got an interesting schedule at least unless it's changed from from the interview you did with chris what does it look like uh, and how much time do you spend producing
0: I try to be producing on, on like a normal week where it's just Friday and Saturday gigs mm-hmm. um, where I'm not away, you know, for the week in between. Um, I try to be working uh, in the studio by seven or eight in the morning every Monday, and I do that every day until uh, until Friday morning upon which when it's time to get to the airport and go do shows.
1: Awesome. So full on. And what, what would you do? Because uh, some producers just spend... 16 hours a day, and they they don't really have a life outside of music. I know you do. What do you do outside of production to, to relax?
0: i have pretty set times like at 12 o'clock i do my lunch break until one and then i back in the studio until six or six thirty at night upon which is dinner with the family and my girls uh, three daughters um so it's it's yeah a pretty rigid schedule like it's it's almost like office hours but i don't mind i mean and i'm not one of those nighttime producers like a lot of guys are only creative at nighttime (laughs) oh yeah i want to sleep in the morning (laughs) no way i can't do it I, i need to be sleeping it's, yeah. it's so weird to say that too because it's the opposite schedule on the weekends where, you, where you're where basically just starting to work at 2 o'clock in the morning in the yeah. in the clubs.
1: Is that, but, not, is that not tough going back and forth? I mean, and, and traveling like, as well with the family, like that interests me.
0: I like it. It kind of makes me feel like Batman in a way. Huh. Batman. <laughs> 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 it's, you know, it's just a, it's a complete life change. You know, you have a certain, you know, you have your normal work week and then, You have the club nights where it's a complete flip on everything, and it's it's a break from the norm. And then it makes me miss my kids and get back home for the family life. It's 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 cool, and it's it's a it's a really good um, balance for me to keep me going from crazy to keep going too crazy.
1: (laughs) Well, I suppose you never get bored.
0: You never get bored, that's for sure. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, If someone had, this might be a hard question to answer, but if someone had six months to become. A decent producer and I use that word carefully what okay. would you suggest they do what would be the best way to practice or learn beyond just spending a lot of time making music which is necessary
0: I think I, I'm gonna give Sonic Academy a plug because I've seen a couple of their videos for starting out from scratch and their video tutorials um, you know where they show you how to make a track from scratch mm. Are absolutely fantastic. Now they're re- re- relatively rudimentary and basic, but they need to be because they're teaching somebody how to use, how to use, uh, for example, Logic or Ableton, um, you know, as a starting point and to make a, a basic trans track. And I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, I would absolutely highly recommend and hit up YouTube for all the odds and ends. Like, oh my god, how do I make a how do I make a filtered snare roll and then I would make it phase at the end. I'm sure there's a tutorial on YouTube <laughs> for that. And uh, yeah, but Sonic Academy was I really I was really impressed by um, how good those tutorials looked.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, following on from that, then, what are some of the the biggest mistakes you see new producers making?
0: <laughs> Everyone thinks they're going to make money from production. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these, the statements that come these days from production is almost like it's insane. Um, I think a lot of the guys really think they're going to make, uh, you know, thousands of dollars. Uh, you know, this is the music business. Oh, totally. And if they think they're going to make thousands of dollars from it, they're still mistaken. It's not even... It's it, You make the music to get you the gigs. And yeah. that's where you go. Play. That's where you go. Um, that's why you make your music. So to get, you know... we make your music because you love it. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the guys that do doing the music, uh, the big mistake is... A lot of these people get into it for the wrong reasons. They want, mm-hmm. you know, they they're getting into it for money or girls or both, um, and it, it's fucking stupid. That, you, but you can easily pick these people out.
1: Yeah. Did that kind of because obviously dance music has become incredibly popular over the last five to ten years. Uh, but I was I'm not old enough to know what it was like um, earlier. But okay. did that kind of mindset or culture exist ten years ago? Do you know?
0: Not, not so much. I mean, it was definitely more of your, your, your kind of. Your, I mean, the producers were more of the studio geeks, mm. and it was very, you know, visually noticeably so. The DJs were a bit more poster boys, but not like they are now. You know, yeah, they got, yeah. they got all these pretty boys with the, with the long black shirts and the, and the long. You know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, the, like, tank yeah. Tank top.
1: Yeah. Super.
0: super oh, I hope you don't wear them. I hope I don't. I hope I don't. I'm not. <laughs> okay. Like you know the super wide open uh you know sleeves that like they look like they were built for a gorilla but they happen to be wearing them (laughs) on that day and like you know i'm like oh i I just don't get it like Mm. you know everybody's so image conscious now and that's not what this was uh, was, this was ever about and Mm. you know i guess it's 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 this is what comes when any business gets over commercialized i suppose um but the music is still there the quality is still there um, there's a mainstream side of it, but doesn't that, that doesn't also necessarily mean it's bad just because a lot of people like it? Uh, there's a lot of pop music out there that's really good, and it's just because it's pop doesn't make it bad. So I'm not trying to come down hard on all of it. There's just a bunch of cheese balls now that are chasing the you know chasing the paychecks, um, and it is what it is. But that's the way any business is, I guess.
1: Do you think that will change? I mean, do you think, uh EDM, for lack of a better term. Is, okay. is like a, a bubble or like it, it rises in fours? Or do you think it's just going to keep going up and up?
0: Let me put it this way. Um, people said that about hip hop when hip hop started up and that lasted a solid 30 years and still mm-hmm. going. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as people don't fucking just lose. And, and I mean, it came along really. Quick. I don't think dance music came along really quick. This was a long time coming. You know this popularity. Um, I mean, dance music has been going for a long time, and it was just it stayed underground, stayed underground, and so did hip hop. And then hip hop blew up, and it was in the in the you know the mainstream eye for it's still, and it still is. And I think there's room for another one. And I think you know dance music overall. And the cool thing about dance music is there's so many types of it. So. Yeah. It's got more room to kind of um, morph within itself um, to keep it fresh. All you know over the next 20, 30 years, hopefully.
1: Yeah, for sure. Something that fascinated me was uh, you know how you can go on Google. Have you heard of Google Trends? You no. can search well. You can search for keywords and see how popular they are or how how often they're searched for. Okay. And so I searched for, I compared dubstep, uh, trap, future base trance and techno, and future bass in all, all those genres have gone up over the past couple of years, but trance and yep. techno are, like, miles above in terms of popularity. Like, they've always been constant, pretty much.
0: Um, Te- trance and techno, they yeah. are, like, their mainstays. They, they, they're They're mm-hmm. not... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, techno has always been a very very big seller so, for example on Beatport and stuff like that trance not so much um, but I just think that's because it's more of the tech savvy audience that tend to get their trunks from illegal sites but <laughs> uh, they, they just know where to go um, but it is what it is but I think you know the trans followers like worldwide um Especially in like you know if you get uh, to more like the eastern Asian country no we're thinking Western not eastern Asian countries Western Asian countries like India and stuff like yeah. that, France is actually really big there too and it's, it's 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 very very popular in um in areas you would never expect and um yeah it's but and it never seems to go anywhere it's uh, people get really behind it because I guess the emotional aspect of it which I fight I, I I'm against this notion because that is, so all so, trance is the only style of music that is emotional no that's, that's not true that's not true um <laughs> but you know people like to say that and and I get I get why I get why people do say that because it's the emotional aspect is is put you know, right in front of you, it's mm. it's very obvious. Where you know, other styles is a little bit more subtle, but yeah, you know, it's an yeah. unfair statement. I forgot where I was going with this.
1: <laughs> um, it's cool, man. I I, I was gonna say <laughs> like <laughs> the the trance scene in Australia has definitely blown up. I think over the past couple of years. Oh hell yeah! Well, at least from what I've seen.
0: It, you know what? It was it was yeah, it was it was really really big. What was it back in like? the like the really early two thousands where people made their own jeans and then there was custom things out where people just did the Melbourne shuffle and it was sick <laughs> looking back then. And then you had those retards LMFAO that really, really kind of <laughs> prostituted that dance oh, out, unfortunately. Man. And Ruined it for everybody and everybody kind of silently hit those pairs of pants that they were had been making so hard yeah, over the years And yeah. I, thought, I thought that was a really cool time um, You know Melbourne had the pharmacy parties and, and Sydney had the transmission parties. I've seen the videos from these things. And it looks so cool and Then it dipped down a bit and now it's yeah now it's back with a vengeance with this festival flourish
1: I'm kind of upset that I never experienced those days
0: i, was, I was only went to, I went to a couple of those and they were awesome They're like really really cool um i was pretty and i was right at the tail end of it but mm. i was happy to, to have a chance to see just a little bit of it
1: right for sure do you think uh there'll be a return to i mean and this is pure speculation on my part i'm so uh ignorant but i feel like festivals are kind of dying down a little bit and it's going back to the the clubbing scene what are your thoughts on that
0: I wouldn't mind. I mean, I like the dark clubs with lasers, uh, some strobe lights, and I I like Mm -hmm. the feel of the club. I mean, that's for me, that's where dance music truly belongs. I I get the festival thing. Totally. I think it's nice once in a while, but the oversaturation of it, I don't know if I need a festival every weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the clubs better, but the festivals are pretty awesome. I mean, just this many people in front of you on an outdoor thing when the weather is nice um yeah that's definitely pretty cool too
1: gotcha uh right a few more questions production related do you have any routines well first do you get creative block and do you have any routines habits or tricks that you use to overcome it
0: yeah you know what i don't want to i don't want to um jinx myself but i haven't really had a block in a while but i'm known to get them at least once a year for usually span of a month and a half to two months at a time wow wow. Um, since i got really into the sound design that's what's helped overcome the creative block because you know if i'm just not in the mood to make music I'll just go make patches for (laughs) sometimes days or weeks, Mm. and you'll start like you know, like I said before, you'll stumble upon a patch where this is going to give birth to a track now, and it makes things a lot easier. And then if you get stumped again, okay, yeah, come back on the sound design for a couple days, Mm. and uh, this is good too. Let's integrate this element into the track, and like okay, now we're going. Now let's let's tie it all together and let's finish this track, and then yeah. So this is where you're getting. You're always doing something productive in the studio, whether you're making the track, doing your patches, you know, laying down the groundwork for for what you're going to make your next several tracks out of. Um, always something has to be getting done.
1: Yeah, I like that. Uh, Andy said a similar thing. You know, he'll he'll just work on drum loops or something. You know, yeah. and just and there's always something you can do. Like you don't need to be inspired to make a drum loop. You know, it's not nope. it's not the most difficult thing in the world. Um, no. Nope yeah I like that what's what's been the biggest challenge you've faced so far in your journey as an artist
0: um the biggest struggle
1: yeah yeah biggest struggle
0: uh working on my laptop while you're traveling it's very hard to stay motivated to do that because sometimes you're like you're jet lagged you're hungover, uh, you know, or you just sometimes you're sick while you travel. I don't really get sick too much when I travel, but it happens and you're just not motivated. But you really do need to be constantly, you know, on your laptop, maybe doing edits, um Getting new promos while you're traveling, making sure you have the latest music, or if you notice that a new track of yours has an issue with the bass at a certain point in the track, you want to be able to make those modifications as you go, so you don't have to play that same mistake again the next night, and um, you need to stay kind of focused while you travel, and it's it's sometimes hard to, st- to maintain that focus. Um, I think that's the biggest, if you can over t- overcome that, that stumbling block and stay focused and try to keep working at, you know, I, it's, it's crazy for me to say that. Cause I, I'm, I'm the easiest person to, um, you know, get tempted to lose that motivation and get into the party scene. But, um, you know, I always, I return when I return from a trip feeling a lot more satisfied and accomplished as if I've been working the whole time as well.
1: Interesting. That's I can imagine that's pretty tough. Um, okay, this might be a hard question i've I've asked it I've asked a few guests this uh, recently, but what's the production technique that you believe is underrated?
0: Uh... <laughs> Okay, there's there's a yeah I can I got a good one that I just started experimenting with and I think I'm going to use a lot more is okay so you know um, you know just band split side chaining so like okay mm. I, I'm just going to call it band split side chaining so basically so for example an LFO tool you put on a standard you know you set yourself up with a standard side chain envelope on LFO tool just to side chain of course volume and um, what you want to do is there's on the bottom right there's a there's a filter setting. And you just turn it on, and basically all it's going to do is sidechain whatever's underneath a certain threshold frequency that you set. And so it's it's set to default six six and change six hundred and change hertz, and you want to raise that a bit. So I've been using that to do my sidechaining on my sidechained basis. Um, and the last two tracks that I'm working on, I'm like, oh, this is actually working better than you know order than than changing the velocity of the notes, which is the the previous way I was using. Um, because it lets you get a little bit more of an interesting groove to the to the side chaining, because that's I mean that's everything in side trance, How that kick is is causing that bass to kind of come off in a wave, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, so basically it's just the low side chaining. So you hear like the attack of the bass note still coming in on uh, at full blast, but the lows are out, so the kick has room to breathe, and then that bass gets side chained in. Um, whereas the, the upper frequencies of the those sixteenth note bases are sixteenth sixteenth note base sixteenth uh, note base notes uh, <laughs> tongue twister are unaffected. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. That's uh, a it's a good technique. Uh, okay, one last question, then we'll we we'll wrap this up. Sure. You're you're stuck on a desert island. You have your laptop, pair of headphones, in Ableton. Uh, you're only allowed, you, you've got the Ableton default effects, you're only allowed three effect plugins and one synth plugin. What are they? All
0: right. Oh, that sucks. Let's <laughs> go with the most. Okay, so I got to go with massive. For yeah. The synth is the serum. most versatile. Um, no, I wouldn't. Why is that? The serum is... Some serum is awesome but massive just has it's I can work faster with massive still at the moment mm-hmm. um I just i mean yeah I don't like I'm gonna have to be Producing shit in a, rut, in a hurry on a deserted island, but <laughs> <I> love, <laughs> Massive gives me instant gratification real quick. I do like Serums, you know, cross uh, cross modulation on the oscillators, which you cannot do in Massive. Mm. But the two oscillators is a bit of a limitation in Serum. I'm, I'm surprised that Duda chose to do two oscillators as opposed to three. But I mean, you I mean, obviously the sound in Serum is massive. You only need to, but um, I still choose Massive just for instant gratification. And effects plugins, I go with Camel Fat um fab filter pro q2 and eh, let's go with good limiter go with the aom invisible limiter mm-hmm. good picks I think uh, do
1: me good. <laughs> well sean thanks heaps for coming on the show it's been a, no a fantastic chat and before you go do you have any last words of advice for the listeners
0: Actually, yes, I do. One more, last word of advice. Um, it's another plugin, that, If I could take four plugins on a deserted island, I would take four. The Shack transient shaper, awesome. Um, and yeah, definitely check that out. Shack S C H A A. No, what is it? S C H A A K. I always forget how he spelled it. I'll tell you in a second. Uh, transient shaper. Yeah, is it S C? yeah s-c-h-a-a-c-k awesome awesome transient designer it's pretty much the best one out there trust me to try that out
1: fantastic all right (laughs)